0: You are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. So I have a very vivid memory of a rainy Sunday afternoon back in 1971 when I was all of ten years old And bored very bored in the way that only a restless ten-year-old boy can be my family had been to church that morning as we always did on Sundays but once our lunch was over the afternoon just looked barren it was too cold and wet to spend time outdoors none of my friends were available to do anything And my pleas for my dad to take us bowling were met with a very definite, not today, not today. So you'll just have to find something else to do, but what? And remember, this was in a day when the TV channels were more than a little limited, and my parents pretty much restricted our Sunday television to the wonderful world of Disney at 6 o'clock. I landed up in my room, lying on the bed, staring at the ceiling, and wondering how I was ever going to pass that afternoon. I reached over to my bedside table, where I had a little stack of these booklets called PICs, which were given out to us each week at the end of our Sunday school class. I was, I should say, a star attender of Sunday school and I still have the little pin that was awarded to me for three years of solid attendance without missing a single week. I was, however, singularly disinterested in these weekly picks, handouts, with their recap of the weekly Bible story, a puzzle, a cartoon, and some terribly dull, to my mind, story. So they just landed in a stack on the shelf of my bedside table until my mom would eventually suggest that they needed to be cleared away. So reaching over and taking one of those little booklets I just flipped through until I landed on the story for the week, which turned out to be one episode in a longer serialized story called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, that sounded at least a little promising. So I pulled the whole stack off the shelf and began to look back. Yes, I had about ten episodes in that series. So I started reading the first one. It was set in the Second World War, and these four children had been evacuated from their home in London and taken out to stay at a mansion in the countryside. Okay, that's kind of interesting. So I kept reading, and slowly this extraordinary tale unfolded. In one of the rooms of that mansion, there was a stately old wardrobe, which unexpectedly led the youngest of the four, a little girl named Lucy, into a land called Narnia, populated by fauns and centaurs, talking animals, dwarfs, and all manner of mythical creatures. Narnia, though, was under a kind of a pall of evil, having been locked into an endless winter by the White Witch. Well, I was hooked. There comes this moment in the story when another one of the children, a rather sullen boy named Edmund, also makes his way through the wardrobe into Narnia, where he is met by the white witch, who takes him into her grand sled and offers him Turkish delight. Now, I remember at this moment in reading, I instantly became hungry for candy, So I put down the book, I jumped on my bike, I rode through the rain to the corner store where I bought something called Turkish taffy. Not Turkish delight at all, but what did I know? And I I loved that candy. So I settled back into my bed with my candy in one hand and this extraordinary story in the other, eating the candy, and I resumed reading only to discover that the Turkish delight the witch had given Edmund was enchanted such that he couldn't stop eating it, even if it made him feel sick. And with that spell cast over him, he always longed for more, ready to betray his siblings to the witch in exchange for just another taste of that candy. Oh, I thought, with my candy in hand, feeling just a little ill, I put it aside, but kept reading Well, the serialization of the story only got me about halfway through the book. So at dinner that night, I I told my parents all about what I'd been reading and asked if we might be able to get a copy. The next day, my father arrived home from the office with a complete seven-volume set of the Chronicles of Narnia in hand. I was officially a committed Narnian. I tore through the remainder of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and over the next few weeks I polished off Prince Caspian and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. One evening at dinner I was enthusiastically telling my family all about how much I loved those books and what was going on, and my sister, who is three years older than me, so ten and thirteen, much more sophisticated, interrupted and said, Well, of course, Aslan is the Christ figure. What? And the witch is a symbol of evil, she said, pointing out how Aslan the lion's self-sacrifice for Edmund was parallel to the crucifixion. I was completely dumbstruck. I'd not seen any of that in these fantastical stories, But then it all began to fall into place. When I launched into The Magician's Nephew, which is a kind of Narnia origin story, creation story, if you will, I read it with new eyes. And if anything, my excitement in reading the stories only deepened. Narnia was, and ever has been since, a place to which I love to journey. I read them all to my kids as they were growing up, for instance, and I've kept reading them. And I think part of that is because of the delight I felt when I recognized that C.S. Lewis was telling a mythic yet deeply Christian set of stories. The rush of that discovery was ultimately exhilarating. So why am I telling you all this? Because something very similar happened to the disciples in this gospel reading tonight. Stay with us, the two disciples on the Emmaus Road say to this stranger who's joined them and has been teaching them. Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he and the reader knows he is the risen Christ, even if the disciples can't see it. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us, while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? It's such a powerful scene were not our hearts burning within us that moment of recognition is compelling didn't we feel something maybe even know something that we couldn't entirely recognize and then he'd taken bread blessed broken gave it to them and they could in that instant finally recognize him in his fullness And in their delight and their exhilaration, they rushed back to the disciples in Jerusalem, breathlessly telling them what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And he is yet made known to us in the breaking of the bread. Week by week, we come into this space in which people have prayed and sung and worshiped and broken bread together for close to a century. Maybe sometimes we come and it feels like maybe we're just doing it a little bit by rote, just a kind of a habit we have, and we barely taste that little piece of bread or that little sip of wine. But even that just prepares us for a life of coming and tasting and seeing and being a people shaped as Christ's body, as Christ's people. And maybe every once in a while we'll be struck by the immense depths of being his people, eating and drinking of his great gift to us, which was and is his very life. A life offered for the sake of the world and for the sake of each and every one of us here. I had such delight when I first discovered Lewis's Narnia stories. And then a kind of utter exhilaration when my older sister ever so confidently told me that Aslan the Lion was a Christ figure. It was all the wonder of a child engaging a set of stories of remarkable depth and character and discovering in their very heart a kind of brilliant gospel proclamation. It left me breathless, and the memory of it all still takes my breath away. I pray this night for each of us moments of that childlike breathlessness. Here in this place, the Eucharist offered to us, reminding us of who we are and whose we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalogue of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.